0: this is linux in laws a podcast on topics around free and open source software any associated contraband communism, the revolution in general, and whatever else fancies your tickle. Please note that this and other episodes may contain strong language, offensive humor, and other certainly not politically correct language. You have been warned. Our parents insisted on this disclaimer. Happy mum! Thus, the content is not suitable for consumption in the workplace, especially when played back on a speaker in an open-plan office or similar environments, any minors under the age of 35, or any pets, including fluffy little killer bunnies, your trusted guide dog, unless on speed, and cute T-Rexes or other associated dinosaurs. This is Linux in-laws, episode, Martin, how is your turn for a change?
1: Oh, series 529, episode 2.
0: Yes, we're recording this in the year 2057, (laughs) July 45th. The calendar system changed in 2032, if I'm completely mistaken, but only in Europe. Britain stayed on this strange thing called What's the, the Gregorian calendar, right? Martin, you're the historian. You're the history buff between the two of
1: us, no? Ah, you, I thought you <clears throat> meant, meant the. Um the the new cryo system that we developed has taken off in the meantime, but
0: Uh, uh, no, we're talking about a calendar
1: change, aren't we? (laughs) Okay,
0: what cryo system we referring to? You're you're talking about kind of freezing Ethereum or Bitcoin or something for financial gain? Is that Uh, what you're referring to?
1: No, I'm talking about freezing you. (laughs) Freezing myself? Why? (laughs) You you (laughs) can you can make it to (laughs) 2050.
0: Martin, do you know a hack called Infinite Lives? Uh huh. I'm just checking, exactly.
1: <laughs> well, maybe we should do an episode on it. <laughs> I'm sure the listeners will be interested.
0: Yes, if there's enough Lisa feedback, why not? I'm happy to welcome Rebecca Rumbu of the Rust Foundation. And Rebecca, before I make any more mistakes, why don't you introduce yourself? <laughs>
2: uh, thank you very much. Yes, I, I'm Bec Um I'm the Executive Director and CEO of the Rust Foundation.
0: Before we go into the bits and bytes of, of Rust, no, I'm joking. We won't, but rather talk about the foundation. Right back. Where do you come from? What what did you do before you set up the foundation with a couple of other people? And what's your background?
2: Um, so I am I am based in Cardiff. I came to the Rust Foundation from a tiny little uh, digital NGO in the UK called My Society um which was uh kind of focusing on building open source software um for improving democracy. Um so listeners in the UK might know them from doing um dot com for instance, which is a kind of parliamentary uh parliamentary accountability tracker. Um so I've worked in and around tech for the last 10 years or so. Uh, Before that I was uh, working in uh, Cardiff University um, on politics, Um, but I think everyone can agree that it's easy to get disillusioned by such things, (laughs) so a career in that wasn't for me. Um, That's an
1: interesting choice, (laughs) (laughs) did you notice beforehand? Out of the frying
2: pan and into the fire, right? Um, so, no, I think, you know, tech, tech's really interesting. I've been really fortunate to, to work with parliaments and governments all over the world, um, looking at how they can improve their kind of digital capacity and their digital offering uh, to, to be more accountable and transparent to citizens. Um, when the job came up at the Rust Foundation, it was, it was kind of too good, too good not to apply for, you know. Rust is a really kind of cool, young language, um, and the foundation had just been set up, um, you know, involvement from a lot of big players. Um, a lot of the community had been had been really involved in building it as well. So I was very fortunate uh, to to be offered a home here. And, yeah, I've, I'm coming up to to being here a year soon.
0: This is more than fascinating. And before we touch on the foundation, I reckon there may be just one or two listeners out there who do not know what rust is. Maybe you, maybe maybe you can kind of give us a whirling tour about this new technology, because you see, at <clears throat> Over the last weekend, I was at a conference giving a presentation as introductory, as in an introductory presentation on Rust. And it was a tiny community co- um, conference in the north, in the very northern part of Germany called Schleswig-Holstein. And they had about 200 participants. A quarter of them actually were in the room. We had that size again, in, in the stream. So I take it Rust is quite hot at the moment in the industry.
2: It really is. Um, but you know, to, to, to answer your first question, you know, what is Rust? Um, it's it still feels like a pretty young language. It's it's a non garbage collector language. Um, it's memory safe. Um, it's it's pretty secure. It's pretty reliable. And it's pretty damn fast. Um, so it's it's something that a lot of people that have you know struggled with other languages in the past, especially things like you know C C plus um, plus. They're looking at Rust and seeing maybe you know some some different ways of doing things that that appeal to them. I mean, Rust is one of lots of different languages, and just because I think Rust is awesome, it you know it's not to say that it's the best thing for everything um but certainly like you know systems programming it's it's way out there and you know it's it's a good tool for for very specific jobs um but yeah it it's one of many uh but it's really cool it's growing all the time it's got a really young really kind of passionate uh, maintainer community as well um which makes it pretty special
0: which is interesting because mm, as time goes by, and especially in, I'm tempted to say during the last four to five years, maybe three years, a lot of projects, never mind companies, have been picking up that that technology. Needless to say, Mozilla Foundation comes to <coughs> mind because they incorporated this in, um, I think it was Firefox 57 with a rendering mm-hmm. engine called, uh, what was it called? The... It wasn't called um, quantum. I think quantum was the technology, uh, but the rendering exchange was was called something else. Uh, Details and people will be in the show notes, hopefully. Anyway. but other technologies, and for example, the Tor project, as, as in the Onion Router, just announced that that they conc- that they started to replace part of the of the C code base with Rust in, in as part of the protocol stack. And never mind, other projects are taking a very serious look. At the, at the technology, uh, for example, there's this tiny operating system kernel, ancient and uh, not ver, not used very widely called Linux. Not <laughs> <ancient product. laughs> and there was a Linux plumber conference uh, presentation about two years ago. And as of version six of the kernel, a nutter called Linux Torvalds actually has blessed the deployment of Rust as part of the kernel itself officially. I take it, and now jokes aside, people, uh, Linux is probably the, well, the, the mostly the most widely used operating system on the planet. If you pick up a smartphone underneath the covers, Linux is running there. So as part of Android. So uh, given the fact that this has now, but what I'm looking for, uh, received an official blessing from one of the most important technology drivers, I suppose. Uh, there must be something to this language or technology, rather. Never mind, big corporations like Microsoft really pouring money and commitment into this technology. At the end of the day,
2: yeah, it's um, it's been a really exciting few uh, few months for us, um, and yeah, it's lovely to, to be feeling the love and and getting this support from, as you say, some of the the kind of leading figures. In this sphere, um, yeah, I was I was lucky enough to to be at the OSS summit last week in Dublin, um, and where all the buzz was around, you know, Rust will be, in six point one, um, which is you know, it, it's just incredible. And as you say, it's it that that's, that's a kind of endorsement that you can't really uh, you can't really pay for. Um, it's a testament to how exciting the language is. Um, you know, in, in the last few days as well, there's been a lot of a lot of other love for Rust, uh, you know, going around on social media and various other channels. So it's really it's an exciting time um for us and it's exciting to see that you know that there's this big broad community now that are just kind of starting to take notice. Um we we hope that those people will become part of our community um and start contributing. And or investing um in in making Rust the uh, even greater language
0: given i mean if we tend, if you know we'll take a step back and look at the at the history of that technology uh rust started out i think if I'm completely missing in twenty o nine or twenty ten when when Mozilla decided it was time to put a stop. To the exploding technical depth of the technology stack, because at the time, Firefox was written in something called Xul,
2: JavaScript
0: mm-hmm. to some extent, if I'm completely mistaken, C and C++ and some other technologies. And with that zoo, I can certainly imagine that maintaining this technology stack becomes very expensive over the time, uh, over time. Never mind. the performance was suffering too. And that's probably the reason why Mozilla is such set down and, or some people at Mozilla uh, uh set down and devised a new language. But for the first, I'm almost tempted to say five to seven years, it was just a Mozilla project, right? More or less. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, yeah. It, um, it got to the point where I think Mozilla quite rightly looked at it and thought, you know, we've really got something here. Um, but... It doesn't belong to kind of just live inside Mozilla. Um, in, or, in order for it to grow, in order for it to to gain kind of the the kind of traction it needs to to really take off, it needed to to be kind of spun out on its own and not you know not seen to be kind of just a Mozilla product. Um, and yeah, you know, them doing that, you know, for for the for the good of the language. Um really helped I think to supercharge it, and what was mozilla's
0: primary motivation for want of a better expression to spin off the foundation or was that something really separate from mozilla
2: um so i only I only got involved um around this time last year um so i wasn't I wasn't present when it it was kind of spun out of Mozilla. There, were, there was a little time there where it took a while to get the foundation up and running. Um, you know, get, getting professional organizations going um, is, is not something that happens overnight. It takes an awful lot of uh, time and pain um, and, you know, talking to people and persuading people to, to come on board. Uh, and I can't take credit for any of that. That was the the interim executive director Ashley Williams, um, who uh, who was around during those those crucial early months uh, of the foundation. Um, other than that, I'm not really sure. I th- I do think that. It, when we're talking about Mozilla's motivations and, you know, Mozilla continue to to have a keen interest in rest. You know, Mozilla are one of our platinum members. They have a board seat. Um, and, you know, they're, they're very, very, they continue to be very, very supportive of rest. Um, but I, I suspect, like many things, you know, you can keep something in house and it will potentially, you know, dent how people see it. Um, If if this was just seen as a Mozilla project, I doubt um, there would have been the kind of cross-industry interest, collaboration, investment um, that's been achieved because it was able to to spin out as an independent foundation.
0: Hmm. Given the fact that the forming of the foundation took place before, how can I put this diplomatically, before before. Mozilla decides to send the Russians, or worse, the former way uh, <laughs> uh, restructuring efforts. Yes, <laughs> as in, as in a few people were uh, let go at at, at Mozilla, I, and I reckon because I think some of the Rust of some of the original Russian was affected too. But I suppose that they didn't have any problems finding new employment. Did that ha- Did that wave of redundancies have any impact on the foundation as such?
2: Um, I'm not sure you could say it had an impact. The, the redundancies had a specific impact on the foundation. I mean, it, you know, it's always really, really sad and really unfortunate when people are made redundant, right? That's that's a terrible thing, and I wouldn't wish it on anyone. It, it's a horrible, unstable place to be. Um, the fact that so many people involved like heavily involved in Rust inside Mozilla the fact that they kind of spread out across the industry um and you know ended up in really key positions in lots of other big tech organizations you know that that was (laughs) good for for Rust I guess because you you've got these people seeding interest in Rust inside inside all these other organizations You know, these people that already knew and loved Rust, um, were now kind of keenly advocating for it uh, across the sector. Um, So, you know, I I never want to say that it was a good thing that anyone lost their job. Um, But certainly, I think, you know, it's pretty powerful to have ambassadors for Rust, um, as I say, kind of like spreading out across the industry and advocating for it inside inside other organizations.
0: Okay. By the way, um who else was a founding member beside Mozilla of 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 the foundation itself as such?
2: Um so our founding members um as you say, yep, Mozilla, Google, Huawei, okay. yep. Um, yeah, so Google, Huawei, AWS, um you're testing my knowledge. <laughs> Microsoft, oh my God. perhaps even? Sorry? Microsoft, perhaps even? Microsoft, yes. Um, I know Meta came on board slightly afterwards. Um, so, yeah, AWS, Google, Huawei, Mozilla, um, and Microsoft, who are our founding members. Meta came on board afterwards. Um, and we've just announced that uh, JFrog. Um, will be has joined as a platinum member in the last month which is also awesome
0: changing track just a little bit the since you joined what's your typical day like about after getting up and then finishing off about 14 15 hours later
2: <laughs> right okay um so rust is global uh therefore time you know Normal office hours are not a thing. Um, so I could be on a really, really early call um, with, you know, our partners in Asia, or, you know, I could be, uh, you know, taking calls right up until midnight sometimes. Um, our board meetings for, for me, for my local time, are between 10 p.m. and midnight. Um, so it varies wildly. Unfortunately, it is a lot of sitting down in front of the laptop having calls um, that's, that's inevitable. Uh, I, you know, I think, I think we all thought once COVID was over, we might see people in real life again, but that's, uh, that, that hasn't worked
1: it's, it's It sounded like you've been to, to Dublin, uh, last week to the, was yes, the
2: it's, It is, I, I'm one of those people that loves meeting people in real life. Um, and I find, you know, I, I think as everyone does the, the hallway track at conferences, just the, you know, all sorts of exciting stuff uh, tends to come out of those. Um, so yeah, it, it's been really great to do that. And, you know, Dublin at the Open Source Summit last week, that was, that was a great event. Um, lots of love for Rust, which is amazing. Uh, but yeah, th- that's, uh, the exception. Normally a day consists of just, you know, speaking to lots and lots and lots of different stakeholders in Rust, um, promoting Rust, fundraising, um, you know, making sure that not only can the foundation, you know, support the very basic infrastructure um but that we can you know support some of the maintainers that we can um employ people to work on key areas that kind of stuff
1: but that's that's interesting so um is one of the goals then of the foundation to actually help the developers of rust I
2: absolutely mean,
1: okay absolutely.
2: i mean it, the all foundations seem a little bit different um when i came into this job I kind of looked around and thought, okay, well, surely I don't have to invent everything myself. Um, surely <laughs> <laughs> surely these other foundations have uh, have got it down. But everyone, yeah, everyone is has got their own little quirks. Um, so even though you can kind of, you know, look, look at how other foundations are doing things, um, for, for one reason or another, it might not be the right solution for, for your particular community. So, yeah, it's been a lot of, trying not to reinvent wheels, but, you
0: know, certainly tweaking them. So, <laughs> and um, speaking of the foundation, since you joined, what, would, what actually happened over the last year and where do you see, apart from promoting Rust, where do you see, where do you see the focus of the foundation given the uh, rather impressive sponsorship structure, never mind the... <laughs> The attention that RAS has gotten in the last, I'm tempted to say, two to three years, significantly on a global level.
2: That's that's four questions rolled into one. Um, <laughs> I'm going to try that, and see some of those. Let's out by all means. <laughs> um, so the the purpose of the foundation um, is to steward the language, um, which is a is a. <laughs> there's a bit of a weird way to to describe what we do and I guess different people sitting in my position might think differently about what being a steward of the language actually means um you know working with the board who are all massively invested in Rust um you know we we kind of figure that means obviously supporting the maintainers um because without them there would be no Rust um, but making sure that rust is is being nurtured, um, that, it, that it's able to grow, but it's able to grow well for the future. So the priorities of the foundation are, are sort of focused on achieving those re- reasonably large, but reasonably um, defined, well-defined goals. So maintainer support is obviously some sometimes that's financial. sometimes that's just providing the actual infrastructure to to ensure that people can can even you know build and store their crates right there's there's infrastructure behind all of this that is not free. Um, so we need to provide all of that. We do provide um, some kind of fellowships, um, we'll be providing training there's there's a kind of program of work that that hopefully, Will um, will ensure that maintainers are you know supported in whatever way they need to to continue their work uh, and to continue um, doing great doing great things and, and innovating. The other side of that is the the kind of the nurturing part that is much more about trying to figure out how you grow sustainably, um, how you ensure that you know an explosion in adoption, for instance doesn't cripple um all of the you know all, all of the the foundations and all of the maintainer community um, so trying to figure out how to do that in a kind of sustainable way that you know you can also leverage uh you know funding or investment uh, or in kind resources to 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 show that up too um, so that that's one of the reasons why one of the big things that we've been developing is around kind of infrastructure and security uh, because those are kind of uh, really important things, really important aspects um, that you know that there's an awful lot of focus on at the moment. and if you have poor security that's that's gonna be to the detriment of the the rust brand um, in the future. so we're we're investing heavily there. We're working with a lot of other partners um on on bringing raw resources. To to securing rust and making it kind of safe, secure, and sustainable uh, into the future.
1: That uh, makes makes sense. Makes sense. A uh, cu- couple of uh, questions on that. You, you mentioned the the board uh, and and the. Uh, like what you mentioned, partners. Are we thinking here of of industry partners, or and um, and what is your board made up of? Out of is are those the uh, let's say the sponsors, or are they completely independent people, or can you shed a bit of light on that one?
2: Yeah, sure. Our board is—it's—it's um, it's a really, I think, unique makeup. Actually, uh, we have a platinum membership. Um, if you—if you sponsor or, or if you are a member of the Rest Foundation as a platinum member, then then you get a board seat. So all of our all of our platinum members have a board seat. But we also have five board seats in addition um, that are reserved for members um, of. The, the project so the the project community can vote amongst themselves as to who occupies those board seats um, and it means that there's a really a really great close relationship um between the maintainer community um and the foundation you know they they are there to kind of help influence our priorities they're there to to us you know make sure that the direction they feel is is compatible with how the project feels um and they and they act as a really valuable uh kind of communication um conduit between what's going on inside the foundation and what's going on in the project because i think sometimes there's uh there, there's a bit of a there's always a bit of a shroud of mystery around what's going on inside an organization which is not necessarily us wanting to be secretive but just you know um Mostly in in most places, no one wants to see how the sausage is made, right? No one cares about the budgets. <laughs> um, but nevertheless, some people are interested. So it, it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's great having those. You
1: you know? made the sausages. Yeah, yeah, okay. I,
0: I thought a vital part of open source was actually how the sausage is made. Maybe I'm wrong.
2: Yeah, yeah, I suppose the, one of the reasons you need well, you need a foundation, um, is that you can't do a lot of the legal side of things um, in, in, in you know, it's an RFC process, right? You, you know, if you're talking to lawyers and you are working with like trademark policies and that kind of stuff, if you're negotiating sponsorship, but, you know, it needs to be kept under embargo because the person giving you all the money wants to make a big splash on a certain day. Uh, these are things that, unfortunately, you just can't do out in the open. Um, so yeah, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a fine line sometimes trying to figure out how much we can tell people outside of the organisation without kind of overstepping uh, what we've agreed with other people, um, and I'm, we don't always get it right. <laughs> yeah I'm so sure the, uh, the
1: the 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 developers are more than happy that you take over those kind of duties right there they're probably more interested in actually writing the the language in the first place and the code
0: and so, I you're hope more so. Like a, so you're more like a diplomat rather than kind of yeah a, sounds like a it. CEO for
2: <laughs> you know i would that that's a terribly lovely thing to say um I think I would possibly be the worst diplomat in the world. <laughs>
1: Okay, are, are are these board meetings uh, uh, um, recorded? <laughs> <laughs> that might be quite interesting. Uh,
2: we do publish the minutes um, okay. uh, within the month, but no, we we don't have them. We don't have them publicly yet. We, you know, there there are some other foundations that have their board meetings uh, on YouTube, so maybe at some point.
0: <laughs> Going back to my original question, given the fact. That the foundation has made a very big stride, never mind impact on the industry as a whole. When I gathered, uh, as part of this presentation that I was referring to earlier on, I gathered a list of projects that I that I have been using Rust for the last five years, and I stopped at about ten or fifteen, and the slot was really packed. I probably should have continue could have continued let's put it this way for another ten of ten fifteen slides easily <laughs> given the given that attention where do you see a the language going and b the foundation continuing in its effort not just to promote the language but rather to shape the ecosystem as such. I know these are big questions, but it's it's it's. I mean, it's it's my kind of perspective on this because I've been following rust for the for at least for the last four or five years.
2: Sure, um, it's yeah. As we yeah, as we've already said, it's it's really exciting times for us. Um, you know, con- considering well, ten years ago, um, you know, very very few people knew about rust. Um. You know, it it has it has kind of exploded, and you know, you see from you know the slash data reports and all um, oh, the Stack Overflow reports. You know, the last couple of years, you know, the the numbers are all just going up. <laughs> um, I think what you know, as I said earlier, I think one of the things that we need to make sure of is that again, explosion in in Rust users um doesn't kind of you know tip everything over um we want to be we want to be thoughtful we 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 don't just want everything to explode it be the, be a hot thing for kind of 5 minutes um but then you know fall over because we haven't invested properly or you know our maintainers uh burn out and leave exasperated that that's absolutely not not the way to do these things um, what we really need and, you know, one of the things that I'm working on a lot is, is, you know, getting those partners to to come and support us, getting resources to ensure that we're not kind of, you know, hitting a brick wall or we're not being throttled um, by, by capacity issues. Um, one of the things I really want to do, um, and it's something that the foundation is turning its focus to over the next few months, is to figure out how we can best support um better learning in rust i think you know and anyone that that knows about rust probably the next you know after what is rust the second thing is rust has a steep learning curve i think everyone has heard that um and you know that's that's something we need to fix as well that's something that that we need to to throw throw some like meaningful thought at, because if if Rust is too difficult to learn, if it takes too much kind of initial invest, like upfront investment for people to learn it, um, then at some point, yeah, you know, that that is going to limit our growth ability and, and the popularity of the language as well. Um, so, yeah, that that's a big priority for, for us over the next few months is figuring out how we can best... Kind of su- support efforts to to provide better learning uh, that's,
1: opportunities. That's interesting. I mean, where, where do you see the growth? And because I mean, it's obviously been uh, used as uh, for systems programming for for device um, now being author about Linux, etc. But do do you see it going beyond that? Is that what you are uh, thinking here in terms of growth? Or?
2: Um, do you know i I do not claim to be technically aware enough to to quite know where potentially it is an area that this would grow into that might not be obvious um at the moment you know i keep seeing rust for insert word here um <laughs> it you know it, it's gone from rust's a great systems programming language to rust for like whatever you fancy um over the last couple of months and you know i i who am I to say no? Um, or that, you know, I, I am not here to, to judge people's ideas. I, you know, admire the creativity of people, uh, and the commitment and passion of people that love breast, and, you know, they do want to innovate with it in ways that maybe might not be obvious. Um, I mean, obviously, uh, WASM is something I think that that's growing quite a bit. Um, like I say, we're, investing in the security side of things like we keep hearing certainly in the US at the moment there's an awful lot of policy makers that have already well already that have all of a sudden become interested in security and open source Um, and we keep hearing things like oh we'll just use Rust because it's completely completely secure and yeah you know we, we also have to educate people that that's not quite right <laughs> yeah rest will still have server security vulnerabilities rest is memory safe it's not 100 percent infallible.
1: and ah, there's, there's no such thing as a completely secure uh, environment or language right now so that's for sure Indeed. yes uh, i'm glad you mentioned vasem sure.
0: by the way <laughs> yes because yes because as we all know martin is a WASM fanboy but no jokes aside <laughs> no you see And this is something that has been picking up over the last year or two, Mm -hmm. given the fact that now wasn't, is way beyond ordinary kind of C, C sharp, whatever whatever language you want to, you want to pick and just pushing this to the, to the, to the client side. I mean, there used to be JavaScript, but given the fact that this is almost I'm tempted to say legacy these days. (laughs) Jokes aside for act people, JavaScript will still have its place. It just depends on where and how and when and stuff. So, no jokes aside. The thing is that WASM now has an I'm not revealing a secret here that wasn't actually made the jump from the client back to the server side. I'm almost tempted to say, comparable to JavaScript, because there are now inc- incumbent projects that are taking a very serious look at using the Wasm ecosystem on the server side, similar to the development of JavaScript about five to six years ago, I suppose. Any, any thoughts on this? I, don't, I know this is really technical, but it has the possibility of impacting not just clients but also the server side to a kind of large extent, given the history of something called JavaScript for the last, as I said, five to six years.
2: Sure. I mean, I, I can remember being quite excited about Wasm. Um, I honestly would have to defer to, to people that know much more about it than me. Um, I, I, I don't think I can give you an opinion on that if I'm being honest because I yeah I I I have heard about it and when people explain it to me I'm like that's really cool um but you know my my thing is that you know it helps streaming
0: <laughs> and enough. that's what
2: I'm more interested in
0: <laughs> No Martin what are your thoughts on this <laughs>
1: Oh, I, I like JavaScript. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yes, this is something you. we're <laughs> going to cut out suppose.
0: <laughs> I'm joking. Okay, back. Where, where do, I mean? Final, final thoughts on this. Where do you see this whole foundation going? Say, and this is now really speculation time. Say, in about five to ten years' time.
2: Oh, five to ten years. Um, that's that. Oh God, that feels like a long way away, but I'm sure I'm sure in like five years time, I'll be sitting here going, gosh, why is it all gone? Um, I, I think, you know, certainly looking at the next at the next four to five years, I would like the foundation to be in a more kind of secure financial position that we are providing really good infrastructure. We're, pr- we're providing more cloud compute capacity. Um, I would like us to be offering a better kind of fellowship opportunity, like mentorship opportunities to to increase our pipeline, uh, which we're you know starting off slowly, we've got a fellowship program at the moment, but it's relatively small. Um, I'd like to to be able to find more funding to put into that to to make sure that that maintainer pipeline is is being kind of bolstered. Um, So in five years time, you know, I'd like to see maybe the fellows that we currently have maybe, you know, on staff in different places, um, doing awesome stuff with Rust, maybe be, you know, still as maintainers. I'd like the foundation to be plugging obvious gaps where we can't possibly expect uh, maintainers to be to be doing the work. I'd love to see Rust being used in even more companies, you know, and for those companies to be coming out and saying it. Obviously, you know, recently Microsoft um, and Meta have both kind of come out swinging for Rust. Um, AWS has already invested massively in it. Google has already invested massively in it. It'd be great to see some of the other tech big boys doing the same and, you know, really kind of taking Rust and flying with it. Um, in five years' time, I, you know, I, I think Rust could be in a really good, secure, stable place. Um, moving that out to ten years, though, I mean, that that's getting into God only knows territory, right? <laughs> I, um...
0: This is yeah, this is Crystal Ball territory, absolutely by all
2: means. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I have no idea. I in ten years' time, I would like the foundation to to still be going strong, to still be supporting people. I'd love it to be staffed by people by then that that had come through as maintainers. You know this year next year um but i'd love for us also to be a a home for other projects um it's something that again you know we're kind of looking into as the rust ecosystem expands um we'd love to provide a home uh for, for other projects that you know want to experiment want to innovate uh want to do good work um uh, but would like to you know feel spiritually at home at the rust foundation um Rather than going to to other foundations or having to strike out on their own,
0: makes sense to me. I mean, here's my take on the situation. In about ten to fifteen years' time, wasn't two point oh has taken over the planet? JavaScript, <laughs> much to Martin's demand. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, uh sadness i'm, I'm almost tempted to say uh javascript is legacy and is re- it's no longer relevant neither on the server side nor on the client side <laughs> and the, the preferable uh, the, the language of choice for any wasn't is no it's not python it's not r it's not c sharp actually it's rust and of course Fakshia, um has taken over android and funny enough much of the ecosystem now running on FactShare as in the upsourcing stuff actually is not Java, but rather, but rather Rust. But this is just my wild speculation. <laughs> People, if you, if you have a time traveling device at your disposal, please travel forward and send us feed and send us feedback to something called feedback and doing in because we would really like to know what the Rust situation will be in about 20 or 15 years time. And with that, back I would like to move us to the picks or the pox. I'm sorry, the picks of the week, rather, or the, also known as the poxes. It's something that we
1: actually wait, 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 wait. Before yes. you do that, I, I was I was going to ask a one final more question. question Mark. Yes, a question. Yeah, yes, ahead. Um, is there anything that the foundation needs apart from? I mean, that you you mentioned the things that you are planning to to do and to achieve. That uh, do you need more? Um, we normally ask the same question to, to all the, uh, the, if we have people from various software projects on, um, what, what would you, uh, need for the foundation? Is it more sponsors? Is it, you mentioned more, um, other companies coming out that they're using, using rust, but is, is there anything more, let's say, uh, we need more people to help with, let's say, uh, administration or legal or stuff like that. Right.
0: So if you want to. Go for volunteers. It doesn't block the whole thing. Just go for it, Back. That's the point in time to do it now.
2: Okay. The foundation is always, always looking for for additional help, additional support, additional resources. Um, I love it when people want to write me a nice big check um, with no no strings (laughs) attached. Um, That's always welcome. Um, But not just, you know, uh, we love having people come on board as members to to work actively with us. Um, we really, really appreciate it. Actually, when companies maybe, you know, they they can't provide financial support for us, but they are great at giving us in kind resources. Um, you know, one of one of our recent members, JFrog, is very kindly giving us a security researcher, um, which is nice. which is amazing. <laughs> I mean, um,
0: do you take also small checks? Because Martin will take a our of coffers, but, but I don't think that's more than. Yes, we, we're not to that well <laughs> funded. <of
1: yourself.
0: laughs> I, I really will consider small
2: <laughs> I will consider small checks. <laughs> Martin, yeah,
1: we, you,
2: you, you, heard, you heard the word right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now we're very, we're very grateful for for any kind of any kind of support people can give us. There is absolutely no minimum. Uh, but, yeah, you know, in-kind resources like infrastructure credits, um, you know, the cloud compute program that we run, um, the capacity that, that we get in-kind for that is amazing. The project, I know, uh, are a very welcoming and and enthusiastic, passionate uh, bunch of people. And they are always looking for people to, to become new maintainers uh, and new contributors. So if that's, you know, if that's what floats people's boat, then... I know that there are people there in the community that will welcome you with open arms if, uh, if that's how you wanted to contribute. But, you know, and we're also open to, you know, people just coming up and saying, Hey, we've got an idea. Do you want to work with us on this? Um, you know, there's probably something cool that people want to do out there that we can help with that. I don't even know about yet.
0: <laughs> I couldn't have said it better. And um, people out there listening, Rust is the only program language that I know as a veteran of program language, having been around the block for for at least 30 years, that spits out URLs as part of an error message if you got the program code wrong. So in contrast to other languages that kind of blast you with cryptic error messages, Rust takes you by the hand and shows you where the error is and how it's going to be fixed. So people, if you want to be part of this project, just join the whole community effort and i'm just talking about people who write rfc's or who contribute to code to the to the code base probably talking about people who can maintain the website like like rustlang.org who can improve rust by example which is an excellent tutorial by the way to get started on rust because as beck pointed out the learning curve for some of us might be steep learning rust especially if this if you consider Rust to be your first programming language so i i couldn't I couldn't stress it more. If you have a couple of spare cycles, please join the community effort. Yeah, let's yeah. move on to the proxies. And pick up the week wrap right back just just for you kind of uh, to to explain the whole thing. It's something worth mentioning that has crossed your path within the last couple of weeks. Martin normally goes for Amish adult edu- entertainment websites. I normally mention movies, but really anything goes. I, so thought, books, I thought you mentioned
1: whatever. jams normally, Chris. <laughs> whatever, how to make things. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> anyway,
0: yeah. let's uh, let's get distracted. Anything goes, exactly. Anything goes. So uh, it might be even a kind of your favorite kind of jam recipe, or something that your grandmother has told you and or taught you rather, and that has resurfaced the, over the last couple of weeks. So really, anything goes.
2: Okay.
0: <laughs> so, back. What's your box?
2: Um. So I recently learned. Um. That i'm sorry this is not a jam recipe um doesn't matter
1: <laughs> Marmalade, um, I, did,
2: I did recently learn that putting a little spoonful of marmite into your macaroni and cheese when you're cooking it actually gives it this wonderful umami flavor
1: <laughs> we, we may have to explain is, to people what marmite yes,
2: is and i thought that would be the perfect recipe
0: for an explosive sorry go ahead <laughs> Becker, please. Becker, please explain <laughs>
2: Oh, okay, Marmite. Okay, so I know, like Australians will know it as like Vegemite. I think. Mm, um, right, yeah. I have no idea what it is, what it would be in America. Um, good lord! It, it, it
1: only exists in, in in the UK and Australia, yes. as far as I know.
2: Links may have
0: not be in the show, it's depending on censorship. <laughs> I, 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 it's fair to say that. Europeans would consider it as an as an continental Europeans would consider would consider it to be an acquired flavour, or taste rather.
1: Not not just Europeans, right? Oh, <laughs> I yeah. think divided. I'm
0: just
1: uh, assuming. Okay, yeah. the population like of the UK as well. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. But yeah, it's 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 a, it's a yeast extract that uh, has quite a strong flavour. Let's put it that way.
2: So is this too niche? No, it's no, no, it's fine. No, 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 and no, 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 no,
1: anything no, goes. No. Anything <laughs>
2: goes.
0: Back. That's that's that was the premise. And and how many people have survived this actually?
2: <laughs> well, my
0: just sorry, just checking. That's
2: all. <laughs> my husband's still alive. <laughs>
0: Excellent. You see, that would be the first thing that our noise would ask us with that sort of <laughs> advice. <laughs> like, I'm joking. <laughs> Fair enough. So, Martin, what's your box then?
1: Uh, my fox is um, having uh, finished the, what's it called? Uh, the capture? capture. Yes, having finished the capture the other day. Um, I am now in the process of watching The Suspect on ITV, which is quite entertaining. And TV considerably TV more TV. realistic, in fact. Okay. <laughs> so and you're not, IT... not constantly annoyed about what's, what, what they've done wrong in <laughs> okay. in, in any matters IT like they do in the capture. Anyway. And
0: ITV is one of these linear streaming formats, as in where people, uh... other people prescribe you the point in time and date where you have to watch things.
1: No, no, quite, no. It, quite... It's it's also on uh, normal antenna-type TV, yeah. Yeah.
0: Exactly, that's what I meant. So you have to sit down in front of a list uh, in front of a watching device at a predefined moment in time if you want to catch the content.
1: No, the no they, have, they they, they have, have moved on to catch up as well Yeah, yeah. excellent, worry. excellent.
0: So you, you can watch it as, at your own yeah. disposal.
1: Those of you with VPNs, here yeah. <laughs> you're good. I see.
0: Okay, <laughs> fair enough.
1: What about yours, and, and, then?
0: Yeah, my Pox is actually a, also a TV series called uh-huh. Criminalist called The Terminal List. I think it was on... Oh, Amazon yes. ...prime?
1: Yeah. I've seen this. Oh, you have? Quite amusing. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So, what, what did you make of it? Yeah, it was very entertaining. Very entertaining a little bit if a little bit, uh, if a little bit uh, yeah yeah unrealistic again as well but there we go I, I would um, I would go as far as say violent, actually, as as matter of fact well violence as well yes but it's kind of yes. yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah the, the, the chances actually, of surviving yes. all these activities are, yes. are not as high as portrayed by this series uh, the, so don't try the, it at home <laughs> no 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 no
0: well, no 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 uh, the premise is actually is seal loses most of his hmm. team and tries to in a very freaky, strange way, and tries to get to the bottom of it. And uh, suffering from a medical condition, he slowly uncovers a political slash industrial
1: ruse. I don't want to give too much away. No, no, for I those won't. People no, who haven't watched no, it, even <laughs> even that, it's,
0: it's very entertaining, but it's certainly <laughs> not for the faint of heart because it's it can, it is at, at times very, very violent. So, having said that, I'll stop here. If you are into that sort of thing, and it's pretty well done, let's put it this it's, way. Yeah, there's a good
1: story behind it. it as well. Yes. So it's not just... I especially, time,
0: like, the, yeah. I especially <laughs> like, the, like the music, in the as in the title music. I really dig that. But anyway, okay. back. that has been more than interesting, for want of a better expression, because interesting <laughs> doesn't quite capture it. Mm. Thank you very much for the Fascinating. insight. Fascinating is yes. a much better word. Yes, thank you very much. <laughs> Fascinating. Riveting, yes, welcome. riveting. <laughs> riveting, Excellent, yes. Keep up the good work, I'm tempted to say, mm. and looking forward to having you back in a few years' time, maybe in 10, 15, 20, to give us an update <laughs> on the status of the whole thing.
2: We'll see if your predictions came true.
1: yeah you never know. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> thank,
2: thank you. you that was great.
0: Thanks a lot. And and it has been been a pleasure having you on on, on the podcast.
1: This is the Linux In Laws. You come for the knowledge. But stay
0: for the madness. Thank Thank you you for for listening.
1: listening. This
0: podcast is licensed under the latest version of the Creative Commons license. Type attribution share alike. Credits for the intro music go to Blue Sea Roosters for the song Salute Market to Twin Flames for their piece called The Flow, used for the segment intros, and finally to Celestial Ground for their song Sweet Justice, used by the Dark Side. you find these and other ditties licensed under CC at chemando a website dedicated to liberate the music industry from choking copyright legislation and other crap concepts. <laughs> yeah but this yeah, is yeah. not about but this is not about infinite life, but this is rather the weather podcast about the u k so martin how are things over there in the kingdom
1: yeah all good all good um autumn is here, but yeah there we go it happens every year and uh, the and the, and the country nice. has has, <laughs>
0: has managed to kind of uh well to cope is probably the I'm looking before with the recent death of a monarch.
1: I suppose it, uh, well it was quite a quite an event indeed um, uh, most people were off for the day uh, watched television um, everything was closed of course so, yeah yes.
0: um, I mean what I read in the news about 10 billion people watched it, and that's much more than the earth's yeah. population. <laughs> Yeah, maybe. Quite maybe when you think about
1: pro- it. <laughs> probably those aliens again, isn't it? That hacked into the BBC. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, yeah, just blame the BBC for this. But maybe they just got the numbers wrong.
1: That's entirely likely. Right? They're probably using some dubious um, open source database like Mongo or something. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> or maybe they should switch to a much more modern technology that helps them, that helps them with their software. Talking ah, like about modern well.
1: technology, which, yes, exactly, yes, which
0: nicely leads us to tonight's guest. <laughs> this is the awkward pause that we normally cut out. We're having said <laughs> <laughs> like, that. Is, is there anything that <laughs> should we should <laughs> <laughs> exactly? <laughs> should, is there anything that that we should talk about before we wrap this up? <laughs>
2: Um, I you know I feel like I've been talking for a very long time. Um,
0: <laughs> uh, so do I sort of Martin, so no worries?
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, no, just, I, thing. <laughs> I don't know when this is going out, but you know, there's obviously we're sponsoring uh we're headline sponsors for EuroRust in uh, in Berlin next month.
0: Yes, which is October, I suppose.
2: That
1: is next month, yes. Given that it's September, yes.
0: <laughs> very much so. The episode <laughs> may go live slightly <laughs> bit after that.